1: Dogs Podcast with your hosts Blake Renaker, Justin Charles, John Nye, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Podcast, presented by Omaha Steaks. Josh All with you today, and I've got a really special guest on this episode. Avante Travis joins. This is a guy that has gone back with the pot the Dogs Podcast, for many years, actually. So we used to get into the YouTube comments and stuff with Devante. I mean, a lot of times in the comments on YouTube is people either saying, yeah, you know, go Browns. They're awesome. Or it's just people and they're saying, Hey, you guys suck. You're the worst podcast ever. And then there was Devante in there just always just spitting all kinds of knowledge about football and sports and the Browns. And it was like, man, this guy is very knowledgeable. He knows what he's talking about. And that relationship just progressed into now he's part of our Patreon. He was in our Dog Pack Fantasy Leagues this year. We had a ton of fun and now he's joining the show for the first time to talk about something very interesting. So we'll kind of get into your quick story, Devontae, your your sports story, your, your fandom and all that kind of stuff. But the main topic of today's show for everybody tuning in at the beginning here, we want to talk about Joe Flacco and this incredible fire run that he's on right now. And One of the most uh, comparable situations that we can think of in recent memory to what's going on with the Browns right now was when Nick Foles took over for the injured Carson Wentz in Philadelphia in that, what was it, 2017-2018 season, correct? 2017-2018, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, you know, led them to a Super Bowl victory. So, want to look at that team, that situation, and Nick Foles and what he did for the Eagles compared to what Joe Flacco is doing for this team in Cleveland right now. Before we dive into it, though, make sure you guys check us out on the socials TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And if you want more dogs podcast content, join the dogs.com, become an official dog pack member like Devontae did. So, oh, yeah, that's right, man. So, let's dive into first, let's just kind of get you know, get to know you a little better and a little
2: bit more about you. Um, well, uh, anybody seen the previous podcast live uh, where it was the Jets and the Browns? I was the one in there said, you know, Devontae 2 and 6. I am also a Eagles fan. I will tell you that story. Okay, because it's pretty funny. Uh, but born uh, well not born and raised in Ohio, but born in Virginia, moved to back to Ohio where my family was from when I was about five. Been in the area since football was my second favorite sport. My first was actually NASCAR. Huh? You could debate me you could debate, you could debate me if that's a sport or you want to it's more than just turning left and crashing into some cars. It's pretty intricate. Um, but, uh, football for me has always been fun. Uh, my first real Halloween, I remember dressing up as Michael Vick. Didn't have any of the matching stuff. Uh, I did a, a black and yellow football helmet, some hockey shoulder pads, had the white Michael Vick jersey. Um, you know, so that, that's really my first, uh, football, football memory. Um, doing that, but ultimately I've watched the Cleveland Browns like I said in the voice man, my whole life up here in Northeast Ohio. 0-16, like I went through all the quarterbacks, Kelly Holcomb, Charlie Fry, who I actually went to school with a, a younger cousin of his when I was in third grade. Oh, cool. Um, Third and fourth grade. Um, So I've always watched the Browns you know, coming out of church on Sunday, driving home. ESPN 850, Jim Donovan listening to the call, uh, going home and watching the game, whether win, lose or draw on the TV, like, yep, it's going to be another long one. <laughs> um, but uh, just to get into a little bit of my football background, um, my mother who grew up in Cleveland, uh, her and my grandfather used to always watch football. That was his favorite thing. He, uh, he actually knew Jim Brown personally because he was a lease chief, a police detective in Cleveland for years, so he knew Jim Brown personally, and he would watch him. Um, he was the the drive, the fumble, all of it. He was there for. Um, so they had that connection. My mother taught me how to love the game. Uh, interestingly enough, she's a Patriots fan, more so a Tom Brady fan. Um, so every year, of course, when they would go to the Super Bowl, it was a thing for her and I to watch the Super Bowl make some nachos, make some food. Um, and just enjoy it. And uh, I never picked the Patriots. The uniforms were just ugly to me. <laughs> um, never picked them. <laughs> just something as a little kid, you know, the, the uniform didn't look great. Right. Uh, but I picked the Eagles on um, the year they went in 2004. If um, Anybody remember since the year that they beat Michael Vick in the NFC Championship game? I remember that. It's Philly always played Michael Vick tough. Jeremiah Trotter, Brian Dawkins, all those guys to control him in the pocket. And he wasn't the passer that he later became. But I also like Brian Dawkins, um, Vincent, Jeremiah Charter, Donovan McNabb, but I like T.O. He, he, you know, I like T.O. as a wide receiver. So picking the Eagles that time was very easy, very simple. Of course, we all know what happened in 2010 when Michael Vick went to the Eagles, came back, and won NFL comeback player of the year, did everything he did. And so since then, I've stuck with Philly um really since about 2009 but before then I would always watch the Browns rather than where's Derek Anderson Jamal Lewis Dennis Norcutt that whole team I believe Kellen Winslow was on the 2017 if I'm not mistaken when he had Derek Anderson yeah um okay okay yeah but I remember that whole team um and watching them and when Michael Vick went to the Eagles, I was like, hey, this is my team. I brother for him. And because I grew up in the Patriots household with my mother, uh, I could never, I never got accustomed to seeing losers. So, of course, as a kid, oh, you like the Browns. Ha, ha, ha. They're losing. The jokes. Here, Dad, the third. Um, but once I had watched the Eagles, I always paid attention to the Browns, paid attention to what they did in the draft. Reagency, you know, head coaches, everything. So, I've watched all year and it really wasn't until about two years ago where I really was like okay I'm actually a Browns fan I all the qualifications I get irritated when they lose you know I crack the jokes when they would lose but i would be happy when they would win um as well so you know kind of always had that I I would personally call it a little love hate oh well then you're definitely a Browns fan yep yeah between the uh between the Browns um and and the Eagles. So real quick,
1: real quick. It's it's funny you say the love hate thing is, you know, finding out, hey, maybe I am a true Browns fan. If if you've never watched a Browns fan and said or a Browns game and said, That's it, I'm done watching this team. <laughs> yeah. What time do they play next week? In the same sentence, then yeah. you're definitely not a Browns fan because that's happened to every single one of us. I, I had years and years and years where every Sunday it was, I can't watch this crap anymore. I'm not watching this team, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then anybody I was watching with was like, Yeah, these guys suck time you want to get together next week for the game it's like well all right yeah
2: 1230 <laughs> yep it's been the I literally sat and watched I believe it was Baltimore Cleveland Cleveland and this is before Baker Mayfield it was I believe it was a Monday night game uh, Cleveland lined up for a field goal I want to say at the 30 or the 40 um, and Baltimore blocks it takes it back for the touchdown mm. Ends the game. It's like, well, that's the most Cleveland Browns thing ever. <laughs> you know, and, and even now when we're in the Discord or we're talking, you know, like, please don't screw this up. Please don't screw this up. We all remember the Jets game last year. Where it was like, oh, it's in the bag. That's good. Yeah. Of course, it's the butt guy, Gary Wilson, who breaks our heart. Yeah, you know what? I'm not a fan of you right now, but I'm still a fan of you. But, <laughs> you know, we, we've all been there of the, Man, it's it's almost there. You know, this it's they have it, then they lose it. Yeah. Or it's like, okay, you can win this. And then a penalty or a turnover. So, you know, I've I've been there for all of it. You know, Deshaun Kaiser, Johnny Mazel, Brady Quinn, uh, all the different guys we've had throughout the years. Yeah. I've literally been there for all of it. And now seeing this team, like I said in the voicemail team, it's amazing to see now.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you're you're totally right because any Browns fan will tell you for decades, it was the Browns will find any and every way to lose a game. I mean, anything like Mm -hmm. you said, just that Jets game last year, we had it in the bag and we still found a way to lose it. And that has always been the theme, but this year, and I think you mentioned this earlier, feels like a turning point for this franchise. You know, Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been building. I mean, Kevin Stefanski comes in year one, wins head coach of the year, goes to the playoffs, gets a playoff win, almost gets a divisional win against the Chiefs, probably should have if the refs didn't do a couple of, shady things, whatever, and yeah. you you kind of feel that momentum shift, and now this season is the first time where every game, for the most part, they've all been close, I mean, except for a few mm-hmm. blowouts here and there, but all these close games, the Browns are finding ways to win, not lose, Yeah. and we were talking before the show, and I'll just kind of kick you off for this, you were talking about the consistency throughout the organization being a key contributor yeah. to why things are changing for the Browns.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you look at top organizations just in sports in general, you think of of course the Patriots, Ugly Colors, think of yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you take the Patriots, um you think of the San Antonio Spurs are in basketball, even the Miami Heat in basketball. Um if there's anybody watching this that's a racing. You think of uh my favorite drivers, Jeff Gordon, jimmy Johnson, part of the Rick Hendrick crew. Um you think of and in football-wise, you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They only had three head coaches the whole entire tenure. You know, meanwhile, Cleveland has three head coaches in six years. Right. You know, so now you have Kevin Stefanski Eagles showing that, okay, this year, more than anything, just like in 2020, I can, I can thrive in chaos. Some people just thrive in chaos. They, they love it, and it, it brings the best out of them. You then look at uh, uh Adam Berry. what he's done. Andrew Berry. Granted. Yeah, Adam I, I don't know. Adam, yeah, Andrew Berry, my apologies. Okay. Um, Andrew Berry, um, what he's done, where he's had some misses. Well, we'll be frank there. He's had some misses, but it's still a steady you know that he's not gonna be replaced by the end of the year. You you know he's not gonna go anywhere. Um Paul D. Podesta. Although nobody really sees the guy, we don't know what he does or where his office is in that building. He's there. And I think more than anything, Jimmy Haslam isn't in the way this year. Yeah. I even heard reports, you know, back in 2020 where it was just strictly football. You know, in the chaos of 2020 with everything going on with the pandemic, it was strictly football. Where all you had to do was you couldn't go anywhere, couldn't go out. Couldn't do this, couldn't do that. You strictly focused on football, so you've seen some teams excel, other teams diminish. Cleveland was one of those that started to excel. You know that you have just a stability of players. You have Miles Garrett, who is the end all be all. You know you have Nick Chubb. Yeah, well soon Nick. You have Nick Chubb. You then go get Amari Cooper. Um, to pair with this team. for and You just build around that. Right. For literally nothing. I mean, uh, and I went back and actually looked at it. When Philly played Oakland in 2017, he was on the team. Dallas got him for nothing. It was more so of a salary dump. They knew they weren't going to do anything. Same thing happened with us getting him from Dallas. It was going to be contract time. So building that camaraderie. Building a team, building a solid foundation of players led to where we are now. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I love that
1: breakdown. Um let's let's kind of shift to the main topic then for this episode and talk about that Super Bowl run for the Eagles, the just the amazing performances by Nick Foles and what he was able to do stepping in late in the season. Now there are obviously differences. Nick Foles Correct me if I'm wrong. He was with the team all year. He was their backup. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And whereas Joe Flacco had nothing to do with the Browns until we absolutely needed him to start. I mean, he Mm -hmm. was here for one game when DTR played, and I don't think Joe was even activated in that. Went back to the practice squad the next week. He started in L.A., and it's just kind of been him ever since, and he's been on fire. The numbers are different and everything, but I I just want to look at what these guys were able to do. And to kind of go back to what you were talking about before with the winning teams and how you kind of became an Eagles fan in the first place, man, whenever you're a Browns fan for all those years, you root for the Browns for whatever. Then it was 16 games. As soon as the Mm postseason starts, you had to have a different team to root for because the Browns were never in it. And I found myself rooting for the Eagles on many of those occasions. I really liked Donovan McNabb, whenever he was playing for the Eagles, I thought he was awesome. Andy Reid was such a great coach. They were fun to Mm -hmm. watch. So uh, naturally, as a kid, you gravitate towards the teams, one, that are always in the postseason, so you know you can count on them being there, and two, that are just fun to watch. They have fun players to root for, you know, guys that you like to jump on Madden play with and things like that. So I did definitely root for the Eagles. I remember that when McNabb was down there, you know, in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yeah. Those were good times. Um, Yeah. And then that, man, that run in that 2017 oh. 2018 season was was pretty fun so man yeah go ahead yeah. why don't you just tell me what you remember about that as an Eagles fan and how it feels watching Joe Flacco what he's doing now that one
2: uh sticks out to me um uh, besides just the ending result is the ability to just adapt um and also just because I was in the military I was deployed at that time so Those first deployments always stick out with you. Um, But I remember watching the game that Carson Wentz got hurt. I believe it was the second quarter. He went and scrambled out to the right, and he kind of got sandwiched in between two players and tore his ACL. It didn't look like anything because he got up and walked off with his own power. I was like, okay, maybe it's just a knee sprain. He'll be back. You know, honestly, we're good. We can rest him until the end of the year, and he'll kick it in or the uh, playoffs, and funny enough, whenever somebody gets injured, Carson Wentz is now the butt of the joke. Oh, yeah, if he gets injured or he gets paid, MVP race, then he comes back, and now he's just a shell of himself. You know, that's what happens, but just that team, Alshon Jeffries, Jay who we traded for on deadline day. That's right. With with such a big bonus, Um, because we really didn't have any burners. I mean, like Eric Blunt, Ran a 4-6. Corey Clement ran a 4-6. Um, KJ Bonner ran a 4-5. And Jay, and Ajayi ran a 4-5. But he was just another solidifying piece to that team. And just how they adapted to it. Um, I can't remember how the Rams game went. But I know that next game, I was kind of nervous. Because it, it was Nick Foles starting again. And he hadn't started really, and I want to say... He he was actually similar to Joe Flacco because he left Philadelphia before because he was there for the Chip Kelly era, uh, which is equivalent to the Freddie Kitches era in Cleveland. (laughs) Um, So we don't talk about it. Uh, He left, went to follow Andy Reid to Kansas City. And then from there, I believe he went to, they just switched to Los Angeles Rams. And then he came, he went back to Philly. So having him there was almost like okay somebody who knows the city knows the culture knows the fans okay good but what can he do for the game for the team Uh, because it was a whole new slew of players that was in from the last time he was there and he did exactly what joe flacco did just boom stepped in right away easy you know passes up and down the field um if i remember correctly 237 and three touchdowns, no, four touchdowns, intercept, one interception, I believe. No, in that first game. Oh, but no, no sack. Sacks. No, no picks Oh, up? no, you're right. No, no, no. Yeah, no interceptions, one sack. Um, but you saw just how we've seen with Joe Flacco, coolness, stillness, calm. He's one of those guys that's calm. And one thing I noticed, I can't remember his height, but he's a tall quarterback. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's probably six five. He, he's 6'6". a tall quarterback, uh, more mobile than Joe Flacco. Um, but he, he he was he was mobile enough to do what needed to be done. You want to hear something funny
0: um, quick?
1: I'm I, I got their I got their numbers pulled up here, so yeah. they're both six six. Nick Foles wow. two forty three, Joe Flacco two forty five. So essentially, body wise <laughs> the same. Yeah, but same you say exact. about the mobile now? Mo- the thing with mobility with a quarterback it's not always about the speed; it's about how you can use no, how you can use how how you can, can right. move. Because Nick Foles actually has a five one four. 40, Joe Flacco's in the wow. 484, so he's
2: faster
1: based on, yeah, you know, straight 40. line speed or whatever, but yeah.
2: Yeah, because yeah. then, because I've heard people say, like, we've seen it with wide receivers, you can have straightaway speed on the 40-yard dash, John Ross, yep. but then when you get into the game, you don't know how to utilize that speed. Not everybody's like a Tariq Hill who could just burn you when he gets the ball in his hand. So. Wow, I didn't know that. That's that's interesting. I didn't Jim know that until I
1: was just now looking at the numbers on that. Like, These guys are so similar in size, yeah. it's crazy.
2: Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I remember just the consistency he had. Um, and even at that point, at that point in time, it was the consistency with the front office and with the head coach as well. Cause we just literally Philly just came off the Chip Kelly era, which is before the, which was after the Andy Reid era, so you're looking at Andy go to Kansas City and take Alex Smith, who was a pedestrian quarterback before he got a hold of him, take it to the AFC championship game. Uh, championship game. Then you see him what he does with Patrick Mahomes. We don't even have to go into that. Mm-hmm. But you then flow into Chip Kelly. Not going to talk about that. <laughs> and then you flow into to Doug Peterson, and he was Doug was very calm, much like Kevin Stefanski. Um, I will say Doug showed more emotion a little bit than Kevin, but he he was very calm, very poised, um, wasn't wanting to really get rattled. It was a few times where it's just like Kevin questioned the play calling um, uh, of what was done, but overall very similar. Yeah, we, we uh, questioned play calling
1: on and off too throughout Kevin's tenure. This year has been very eye-opening for us, just the host of the show, because we're taking a much deeper look at the way things are unfolding on the field. And a lot of, you know, times when Kevin's play calls are getting questioned, if you look at the plays and how they develop from different angles, yeah. they're there. They're there. The exception yeah, has fallen short in a lot of those situations. The most recent was just, mm-hmm. um, it was that play on Thursday night against the Jets. It was fourth down... We're in our own territory right after that muff punt. And it was like, okay, mm-hmm. cool, we can at least get three points here. You know, the our backup, you know, just signed a new kicker. He had already missed an extra point. Kevin elected yep. to go for it. it. was like, well, okay, I guess we can give this a shot. Flacco yep. runs the fourth down plates who perfection throws the ball exactly where it needed to be. It was a guaranteed touchdown, except Cedric Tillman didn't run his route just completely yep. broke it off and you could flacco was livid after that play. Very, so, i was livid livid he was yelling scr- i mean and, and rightfully so i you, you run mm-hmm. a touchdown play and that's just the thing so it's a lot of the execution not being there with these plays but kevin Stefanski's play calling for the most part i think has been spot on i think he's done a great job mm-hmm. with his team and all the credit I mean, I I should say the credit first and foremost for what the team is doing right now on the field goes to Kevin Stefanski.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, I hope you guys all had a great Christmas, a happy new year. Everybody stayed safe and most importantly, well fed. Start the new year off with a bang of big savings during the Omaha Steaks end of season event. That's right. This sales event, the 50% off site wide is still going on as we head into the new year. 2024, that's 50% off incredible steaks. Sink your teeth into the memorable butcher's cut top sirloin. That's honestly my favorite. That's the one I got for all of my family members for Christmas. And I've got stocked up in my freezer right now to get ready for the year ahead. Just go to OmahaSteaks.com, take advantage of the 50% off site-wide event still going on, and when you use our promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out, you get an extra $30 off your order. Let's fight the winter blues and celebrate the Browns playoff push with delicious and satisfying meals from Omaha Steaks. They've got the, you know, perfectly aged, the, the tender, juicy steaks, burgers, decadent desserts, classic comfort meals. They're ready Instantly, seafood, brats, jumbo franks, everything. They've got so much to offer. Now, for a limited time moving into the new year, they're going to extend the 50% off site-wide sale. Plus, like I said before, you get an extra 30 bucks off when you use our code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, at checkout. And every purchase is backed by Omaha Steaks' unconditional money-back guarantee. So let's go, Browns fans. We're in the playoffs. Let's continue to start the new year off the right way. Warm up your winter with tender steaks and hearty home Cooked favorites from omaha steaks 50 percent off site-wide promo code dogs when you check out get that extra 30 dollars off your order happy new year guys and let's enjoy this playoff run minimum purchase may apply
0: save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: So if we look at, you know, you were talking about Nick Foles. I mean, that first game, you said 237 four touchdowns no picks just dicing them up and you know you look at Joe Flacco's first game against the Rams he comes in 254 two touchdowns the very costly interception which you know I do see a lot of Browns fans kind of excusing and at the time I know a lot of people were very upset Uh, you know it was it was a first down play we had a chance to go down we were only Mm -hmm. down by one had a chance to go down take the lead and he just, he throws the pick right away on the first play. And that was pretty much game over from there. So that was disappointing. And if I'm, what what was, what was the outcome of those games for Nick Foles and the Eagles once he took over?
2: Um, He won in New York because that was only, they won 34-29 and it was actually a close game uh, because I went back just to go watch it and remember it all. Very close. I mean, Philly, actually let New York score on a first drive touchdown, which they had it done all year. oh wow, okay New York, that was their one Achilles heel. they could not score on the first drive, um which if you can't do that on the first drive, your defense gives up the score, then you're now playing from behind. you're trying to keep pace um so that was part of the reason why they finished. I think it was two and 13 that year. They may have gotten another win at the end of the year. I'm not sure. Uh, but then the Raiders, now it was a 19-10 game very sloppy that to me was a very sloppy game it was almost like how seattle was and how indy was was like okay when are we gonna get that big play when are we gonna you know do that um luckily philly hung on for the win um by that time it was already known you're gonna rest like kind of how cleveland is this week your starters and that last game against dallas um, I want to say that was Dak's second year, I believe. Um, but that was a six nothing game. That was oh. a baseball score. Wow. So yeah, and and surprisingly, I mean Nick only played a drive after he threw an interception, he was out. Um, but Nate Suffield came in. It was nineteen of twenty three, one thirty four, but no touchdowns, no interception. So it wasn't anything there. Um but yeah, two and one in those last in those last three.
1: Okay. And then if I'm reading this correctly, like you said, they, they knew they were going to rest guys that final week of the season. They got the bye week, right? They didn't have to play wild yep. guard weekend. Yeah, so Number then, one
2: key, which I hope Cleveland gets somehow, somewhere. <laughs>
1: yeah. So then divisional round, play Atlanta. Looks like he was 246, but no touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta was,
2: that was the most scared I was for a team. Because that was—I can't remember. You can probably look this up quicker than I can. Was that before or after uh, the twenty-eight to three? Ooh, when Atlanta went to the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll look real quick. Because I—I'm—I I, I'm, mean, I still don't remember that was Clyde, Matt Ryan, Devonte Freeman. That would be after. after. That was after. Okay, the year after. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that was still pride. Julio Jones, still the prime Atlanta Falcons team. Um, that one I remember. I was sitting on the edge of my couch, um, just nervous because it's like it was such a close game. It ended up being ten to fifteen. I remember fourth down. Um, it was a back corner fade right pylon to Julio. Debatable about some DPI. Very debatable. I was shocked they didn't call it. But they did it. We get out of there with a win. Um, and he was 246. And it, it it was a very
1: close, close, close game. Close game. And then I again, I don't have the outcomes in front of me. You'll have to speak to that. But then conference championship Super Bowl. Looks like Nick Foles. I mean, he he had kind of been catching some fire before that, you know, up and down a little bit. But again, it was the mm-hmm. end of the season. The Eagles are kind of wrapping things up, knowing they're going to rest guys. It wasn't as big yeah. of a push as the Browns have had to make with Joe Flacco, knowing how right. tight the AFC race has been. But then, I mean, after that divisional round, it's 352, 373, oh, yeah. six touchdowns and a pick over those last two yep. games. I mean,
2: yep. Nick yep. Foles just <laughs> caught it and the, man was he could. That conference game against Minnesota. That's when they had Case Keenum. That's when it kind of shocked everybody, and now I believe that's also the same year where they started the Skull Club. Oh, I mean, they may have did it years prior, but that's when it finally got recognition for doing the Skull Club, which honestly is one of the coolest things in sports. That is pretty cool. Do you see um, uh, Kirk Cousins doing it? This Kirk past- Cousins, yeah, doing yeah. It. yeah. It's like <laughs> I would th- even just as a player, I would love to, you know, ha- have gone through that, um, just to sit there on the sidelines and go, like, okay, this is cool. It's like white out in Penn State. With certain things you just want to see. It's kind of like um, the guitar that, smash now it, in Cleveland. The, yep. That is awesome. Yep. Awesome. Um, that game was a route. I remember Minnesota went down, scored first. Then Philly went out, did a three and out, and on the next drive, I want to say in a few drives after, Philly had a pick six. Um, took it, uh, robertson Robinson scored the touchdown, took it, scored it, and like right there, it just felt like that momentum shift. Um, and the defense really fed off the crowd, similar to how Cleveland feeds off the crowd at home. You could just feel it bubbling up, and then it was just a route all day. In case Keenum, deer in headlights, seeing ghosts, however you want to describe it. It was purely domination. It was um, 24-7 to at half. Uh, uh, our rookie at that time, Barnett, had a strip sack in the second quarter that helped give them even a short field No. They were trying to score, excuse me, and they strip sacked him um, before the second quarter ended. So, just being able to dominate that game. But then, of course, Super Bowl. I always chalk up the Super Bowl to just we never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, we we've seen David Tyree, we've seen twenty eight to three. Um, so, for for Cleveland to kind of be catching that same momentum, you never know what's going to happen it's amazing to see. And for the Philly game, from the Philly aspect of it, I had, um, it just got done with my deployment and I was actually heading home and I was had to travel through Minneapolis. Oh, they had wow. the banners up because that's when the Super Bowl was in Minneapolis. Um, and no team up to that point had host to the Super Bowl in their own city that they played in. Right. So, I was, you know, walking through the sides and I saw Philly and uh, New England on the banners in the airport. I'm like, yep. I might just stay here for a whole week. <laughs> I got enough money stay here for a whole week get into the game. But, um, it, it was honestly a cool experience uh, to get home, watch it with my mom. Uh, like I said, we kind of had that thing growing up when me and her were watching Super Bowl together. Uh, we still do it now. Um, it could be the playoffs, Super Bowl, uh, anything. Um, I actually have a funny cap story I'll tell you after this about when they won the championship. It was so awesome. Okay, um, But yeah, that game. I learned because my mother was a Patriots fan to never count out Tom Brady. Yeah, until bro. the clock says zero. So, and like you said, that was just after we watched him do twenty-eight to three, right? So, it's like, yeah, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not counting him out until I know that it's over. So that that was a highly contested game. I mean, it was pure. Offense, high scoring, 41-33. Um, and even the last play, I'm like, when when Gronk almost had it in the end zone, I'm like, bat it down, bat it down, don't don't <laughs> let him catch it. You know, and I was sitting at my mom's house and we were watching it, and you know, it it, it was just an amazing thing to see. I'm glad I was able to witness it. Um, to see him, you know, finally won a Super Bowl after so many tries. And and I can I could see that same thing happening with Cleveland, you know, granted the AFC is very tough. But Cleveland has the best defense. Cleveland, statistically, has a better defense than Philly did when Philly won the Super Bowl. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Cleveland, we know the, the stats for Cleveland. They're number one. Um, the most categories. the main component, the number one key factor between those two defenses is a defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz. I mean, he... I, I And whoever's watching this, go back and look at the 2017 Rush line for the Philadelphia Eagles and then go watch the 2023 Rush for the Cleveland Browns. Very similar how they get to the quarterback pressure with just four. They'll send an extra guy or two, but the four was very good. Um, Fletcher Cox reminds me of Tomlinson in the middle um, mm-hmm. before he got hurt. Uh, we didn't have nobody comparable to Miles Garrett. I mean, that's once in a generation type of guy. Um, but Juan Thornhill is this team's Michael- Malcolm Jenkins because Philly had got Malcolm from New Orleans, and he fit in right away. He was a leader, consummate pro. Say did a lot of tackles similar to game uh, to Thornhill um, when needed. So. He he he's the one that I look at. So okay, I could look at those two teams and say that's that guy, that's that leader that has a championship pedigree because he did it in New Orleans before he came to Philly, and then he, he leads them he leads them to the Super Bowl. So I'm I'm very happy to see the similarities between the two. But by far, the Cleveland defense this year is better than the Philly offense. Really, defense in 2017, by far.
1: Yeah. Well, and and if you. Look, on the other side of the ball, I would imagine the Philly offense, even though they had their mm-hmm. backup quarterback, was a lot better than what the Browns offense is. Because you have already yeah. named you know, the skill position studs and everything that Philly had, where Cleveland's working with backups across the board for the most backups. part. Yeah. And yes, Amari Cooper is an absolute stud wide receiver. But after him, it gets pretty hairy, pretty thin, pretty quick. Elijah Moore is yeah. decent. But it's hard to rely on him and him alone. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, David Njoku is elite. He, oh, he is yeah. is coming into, people will know his name across the league and fear what he mm-hmm. can do with the ball. But, yeah. you know, the offensive line is beat up, banged up. It, they're backups. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we're on our fourth quarterback. He wasn't with the team, like we said. Nick Foles, obviously, the backup all year. There's just a lot of, you know, there's similarities and differences, but there's just so much you can connect between that Philadelphia Eagles team and this Cleveland Browns Mm -hmm. team. Like you said, Jim Schwartz, the backup quarterback situation coming in for the injured starter, catching fire, doing all these things. It's just, and I've just heard so many people say, well, you remember Nick Foles with the Eagles, you know, this is Mm -hmm. kind of like that. And it just had me thinking, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's look at those two teams. And
2: even the running game for Philly. Granted, Philly had the better running backs than what Cleveland does now. But it, it wasn't a how can I put this? They're very similar. If you were to just look at the stats, mm-hmm. oh, 27 carries, forty yards. Okay, that's nothing. <laughs> we look at, you know, Jerome Ford. Granted, if we take out the the um the Jets game. He's been production. People were calling for Pierre Strong to get in there because when Pierre got in there, it looked like he could hit the holes better. He was seeing the vision better and he had that speed. One thing uh, I think helped um, Ford was somebody must have told him, Hey, just play football. Yeah. You know, I mean, people may not even know this. He did go to Alabama for, I think, two years and he, he did sit there. So, I mean, granted, Alabama go. You have to add NFL was Alabama. So, Alabama or SEC. So, you go there, then you go to Cincinnati, you do good there. He was very good at Cincinnati. He was part of that turnaround he there was, a little he, bit. I was so excited when we drafted him. Yeah. Yeah. So, he he has now he has the breakaway speed. He's the fastest between the two teams. He's the fastest guy. Um, but even then, it wasn't a home run hitter on Philadelphia. It was more of the bruisers Mm -hmm. with Philadelphia. I, I would honestly compare it to a little bit of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, where you're granted Nick Chubb can break one and take it 75, but you know he has no problem lowering his shoulder and getting four every single time. Same with Kareem Hunt; he, you know, not maybe not now, but two three years ago he could take it 50. Now he he has no problem getting four or five and that's what philly had they had a four tandem of uh, the Garrett blunt um he john barner corey clement and jay ajayi and it was just a rotation and it would just punch you in the mouth punch you in the mouth punch you in the mouth and it will wear teams down in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. you know that's half the, the nfc championship game it, they only scored one more point after the half they didn't need to. Honestly, the defense wrapped it up, and then the offense run game sealed it. So it's it's a lot of similarities there. I mean, uh, Alshon Jeffries to Amari Cooper, quiet, doesn't say much, runs the right routes, touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Cedric that. Tillman. Yeah C- Cedric Tillman. Um, I don't want to say his name. Because I know how he played out. He's the so-so guy. But Nelson Aguilar, he had the body, he had the speed. Cedric Tillman doesn't necessarily have that speed. He more so has the body. He's a big body. But it was always the miscues with him. Oh, you know, With yeah. Nelson Aguilar, you know, dropping the ball. You know, I don't think he had an issue with the routes. I think he was mainly dropping the ball. Um, But I think Cedric, his is a lot of just the route execution. And he hasn't played much, and you know, I mean, he could be just out there trying to prove his point. Which, hey, by all means, go ahead and do it. But sometimes, like on the fourth down conversion, you got to be right there, you know. But he's also a rookie, like you said. Who, yeah,
1: rookie, and he hasn't played much. That's who hasn't played much. You the know lack of experience on field experience in our wide oh receiving core go right now that that concerns me. It definitely does. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I would say, I mean, granted, you, we got Cooper, um, got Elijah Moore, and I hope he gets fully recovered. I heard he's doing better, and he might be a go for the playoff game. Um, but I also think that with this experience, next year we'll see a better explosion. I know we're not talking about that right now, but just – And nothing counts more than in-game reps. You know, the more you do it, the more you get used to the speed. You know, some people could come in and just light up, like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, all those guys. Some people take some time to get to where they need to be. Devontae Adams took, like, what, three seasons? I mean, he was considered a bust. Nobody remembers, and that's the thing, nobody remembers that about Devontae Adams, where he wasn't consistently catching a ball. Mm -hmm. He was a good route runner. But he wasn't consistently catching the ball. Now you look at dude, he has his own Taco Bell commercials inside his own house, yep. and he's granted one of the best if not the best wide receiver in the game right now. So, you know, it may take times a while. The one issue I see with Cleveland, and it's similar to Philadelphia, is the development of a wide receiver. Most of the times, you know, Philly has to go get that guy. Like right now, you have A.J. Brown, um, and Devontae Smith. Granted, Devontae came in and it's been that guy, but AJ had to go get him from Tennessee.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, Cleveland had to go get a Cooper from Dallas. Um, you know, Elijah before Moore from then, New York, Elijah Moore from New York. Before then, Jarvis Landry from Miami, Odell from New York. Very true. Yep. You know, so it hasn't been a home grown homegrown guy, but I think Tillman could be that. You know, I, I think Tillman could be. Similar to on Amari Cooper. He's not going to give you great speed. He has some speed. But if you could get somebody that's a route technician, that to me will win more so than speed any day.
1: Yeah. So the way Tillman can catch, he's got very good mm -hmm. hands. We've seen him. There was one play, and I forget which game it was, but it was in the last couple of games where he caught a pass with his hands out in front of him. And mm-hmm. went down, tackled, and never lost control of the ball. And it
2: was definitely be, and this this kid has a yeah. man's hands. And yeah, when you when you could catch it out here like this, and you, it from and the air. The defenders trying to rip it. Yep, and they can't. That's those strong hands. But yeah, it's it's a lot of similarities between this team and the 27, uh, 2017 Eagles. Um, the number one difference that Cleveland doesn't have, and it's kind of working good for them now, is they shed the story of the underdog a little bit it's still there it's like it's cleveland come on now you're the little brother that we used to park on the street it's cleveland it's <laughs> not anybody physical compared to philly where you know of course jason kelsey gives the amazing speech at the super bowl um, parade but it's the underdog you know who nobody like nobody doesn't like the story of the underdog everybody likes the underdog story you know everybody likes the guy who was last on the bench and it is now the starter, you know. That's true. I mean, so so
1: everybody likes that. Yeah, they weren't picking Nick Foles to outdo Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. No,
2: I wasn't picking Nick Foles to outdoor Tom Brady. Right. I watched Tom Brady literally. Nobody was picking Tom Brady to outdo, I believe it was the Rams in his first Super Bowl and then the Panthers. And, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. Nobody was picking Tom Brady. I mean Tom Brady's the biggest underdog if you want to go draft picks and numbers and everything else. But then you have team underdogs, and like nobody was picking the well, some people were picking the Lions, but it was more so can they do it again?- mm-hmm. you know and and that's where I think Cleveland is. Next year, can they do it again? We saw Detroit do it last year where you had the pieces, and if a couple things were their way in the last game, they're in the playoffs. So now you have Cleveland catching fire. You want to catch fire at the right time. Yeah. At, at at the right time. So, you know, meanwhile, Philadelphia Eagles this year are I don't even want to talk about it right now. So <laughs> but it's it's just this is the shift. Um if I could say anything to the Cleveland Browns fans watching or just football fans period, if your team is just horrible. Pay attention to what they do in the front office because it always starts with the front office first. It'll be your GM, your owner, assistant GM, whoever you want to name. It'll be consistency there first. You'll have your pieces. You'll have your players. Then you get the team. Um, I I think now with what Cleveland's doing, it is amazing to watch. I think that for the next three, four weeks, they'll be the soccer in the NFL. Um as tight as the AFC is, they've already locked in their slot. Right. Um and cor- and correct me when I'm if I'm wrong. Cleveland has never won twelve games in a season, right? I don't know about
1: never. I'd have to go look at the uh I, history. Maybe the eighties. <laughs> uh, I mean, like it hasn't good. been any times recently.
2: Yeah, yeah. As long as they've since back as long as they've been back since ninety nine, I know they haven't. Um yeah. But just even the thought of Cleveland saying the Cleveland Browns have 12 wins, if you would have told everybody here on the panel, hey, this is going to be Cleveland Browns, they have a shot There's more so locked up now, but they had a shot at the number one seed in the AFC. You have Deshaun Watson, who gets hurt, comes back, gets hurt again. Then you have a rookie backup DTR, he doesn't. He gets thrown into the game against Baltimore. Okay, you're more than likely gonna lose that one. You lose Nick Chubb and a horrible injury in week two. Okay, yeah, we're probably gonna be seven, seven wins, seven wins. Nope. Cleveland is eleven. That has eleven wins, seated in the fifth seed. And honestly, nobody wants to see Cleveland right now. No, no, they nobody do. wants to see Cleveland. If they say nobody, they're wants straight up Cleveland. lying. Yeah, and it is the old adage, it's Cleveland. It's not like it's It's not like it's Patrick Mahomes. Right. As much as I don't like the Chiefs, it's kind of like a Tom Brady thing. Until I know this man is out the playoffs, I'm not betting against him, and I already know what Andy Reid could do as a coach. 100%. And experience is experience. Same with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I, the original foes, yes, but Baltimore looks a little bit different this year. You know, and it's Miami could take Miami, Buffalo could take Buffalo. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's gonna be crazy to see how how this shakes out. Yeah, the o- well, honestly,
1: the the only team in the AFC that you know I think would be a, a very very close match. I mean, if if we played our brand of football, it would be Baltimore. We've shown we any we've shown we can beat them too. We've shown we can beat anybody, but I I would say. And I know we're kind of running up against the clock here a little bit, but, you know, just to kind of wrap it up with like the three keys ahead of the playoffs that I'm looking at. And then you can let me know if, if you agree with this, disagree, if you got something to add would be, first off, we need to find something in the run game. We need to, ha- and I'm not mm-hmm. saying it has to be a lot, but it just needs to be better than, you know, 1.7 or 2.2 2 a carry whatever it has been. Yeah. Key number two, our defense needs to travel. If they can travel the way they did to Houston in the Texans' to game, we're, we're going to be right there ready to win any game on the road because if, if the defense from Denver or L.A. shows up, we're screwed. But that yeah. defense that traveled to Houston, that's the one we need. And the main key for me is Joe Flacco's got to quit turning the ball over. And I should say the offense in general because we have fumbles from the running backs, fumbles from David and Joku. I mean, untimely fumble. Receivers dropping ball. And interceptions. If we can cut down those things, which we lead the league in turnovers, I, I don't see us eliminating them, but they need cut down and they need to happen on the other side of the field. We cannot be turning the ball over, giving the opponent short field against our defense, handing them six points on fumbles and interceptions. That stuff can't happen once the playoffs start. You have anything else to, to look for as the
2: playoffs come soon? Intensity. Uh, intensity. So... That defensive intensity that you saw in Houston, that is in Cleveland, like you said, it needs to travel. Um, Turnovers, I would say, because it's Joe Flacco. I mean, we've seen him with the Baltimore and Ravens. You know, he, he's going to give you at least one. I don't know why all the quarterbacks say, hey, be a Cleveland Brown quarterback, love the city, quote number one. Number two, throw at least one interception a game. I don't, I don't know if it's under contracts. I don't know if they have, I don't know. Um, but I would also uh, just to piggyback on that costly turnovers. You know, if you're taking, I, I've never cared for taking a deep shot at the end of a half. If you just thrown it to the end zone, what? Whatever. You know, who cares? Yeah, those interceptions are. Yeah, yeah, can't if, really count them. If it's similar to the Tillman interception with Chicago, where he catches it and he just get hit and the ball pops up, I you can't control that. that is too many those should never be on the quarterback. Those should be, you know, a wide receiver cause interception. I don't know, some stat, some statistics they can come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the interceptions where we've seen with Deshaun, where it's a bad read, and it's like, why did you, what were you seeing? Mm-hmm. You, know, but, you know, granted, when we look at a game, we can only see, we can't see past the middle linebackers. And if they drop back deep enough, we can't ever see them. So just those costly interceptions right um joe you know, had one there against the jets where he
1: threw it to njoku and yeah. um mosley the linebacker for the jets was
2: almost an inch away from a pit literally just get him right over the top it's like and granted with that it's like okay you were feeling it but don't do that again right um, yeah you're not going to get lucky every time yeah you know you do that against against baltimore or, or buffalo or whoever that's a pick and probably would be a pick six mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so you know the, the interceptors have to cost these times now if it's 24-21 and you're pushing down the field and your defense has kind of had momentum all game and you're trying to go for a score and you just chuck one up uh, like it did in Houston you know where I believe it was just that interception where it was going to I think Amari um, and it just it gets, it gets intercepted Mm-hmm. Okay, I can live with that. You're trying to be aggressive. You're trying to put the game away. But if it's a third down, third quarter, you don't have that momentum. They they stole it from you, and they drop back, and they blitz you, and you miss a block, you rush it, you throw to the wrong guy, that, that can't happen. No. You know, stuff like that that can't happen. I honestly believe Joe, Joe knows that. Um, and to me, it's almost of a. Let me see what I can still do here with these guys. Let me see where I can go put it for them. You know, let, like the pass to a uh, Ford. That pass with any other quarterback on the team is not being done. Deshaun's probably running it. PJ's probably running it. ETR's probably running it. Joe wanted to run it, but he could. But when he looked back, <laughs> yeah, when he couldn't use that four eight speed. There. That's right. <laughs> when <laughs> when when he looked back to see if he was going to get stripped he saw Ford and dumped it off to him but then ford used his speed mm-hmm. to go take it to the house you know um an intensity in the running game um the intensity that we saw with ford on thursday night i don't i, I don't like to compare them because nobody can do it like that but that run on that touchdown that speed was there, but then the ability to break that tackle. How many times have we seen Nick Chubb break a tackle like that? That was that determination the, of I'm scoring. Determination of I'm scoring and you I'm are scoffing. not me me you one on one Oklahoma drill right now. Let's go. You know, that's right. so that, that's what I would love to see. Is the intensity in the run of game. David and Joku. Um if I can make one, one more comparison to the 2017 Eagles. Zach Ertz was coming on, coming along after Brett Selleck. And so after Brett Selleck, it was Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz was he was the first one that I really remember of the Eagles tight ends to really have that speed, that size, the ability to catch the ball. It seems like no matter when you throw it to him, he, he catches it. And he had deceptive speed now. And that's the same thing with Njoku. Njoku is uh, a monster of a man at tight end. He's deceptive speed. I don't think the Jets thought he was that fast once he got the ball in his hands because he just glides. He does. Some players just glide. So, David and Joku, I think now, we forget he was 19 when he entered the league. He's now 26. He's hitting his peak. I believe he's 26, right? I think so. Yeah, he's hitting his peak physically. So, now, he's understanding that game and he's starting to love Cleveland. So, love being on the Browns. So, when he does fix a lot of things, I think honestly in the playoffs we're going to see a more ramped up Joe Flacco. Um, the running game, like you said, I hope it's there because um, even Philly, like I mentioned they didn't really have that good of a game. I mean, I got the stats here over the three first, the last three games, four point three a carry, three point seven a carry, at three point eight a carry mm. for Philly, and in the season so. Going into the season, let me check here. They were at four point three or carrying the Falcons, three point eight. Hold uh, on nope. Let me back up here. Let me see. Let me see. Oh. Yeah. 3.6 against the Vikings. Um, so it is not a they didn't have a true number one. Similarly, that that's what I'm getting. At. They didn't have that true number one. They had Blood, who was the number one, and Ajayi, who, depending on who you play, could be a number one. But it's not like us with Nick Chubb. Right. Where yeah. it's flat out number one. Then Kareem Hunt, flat out number two. This is a running back by committee kind of thing that I think Cleveland has to do. And and ultimately, I think it'll pay off in the end for Cleveland. Uh, Granted, you know, this this the joke out there. If anybody's seen it, because i will put it in the Discord. The NFL kind of put it out there. The Cleveland Browns. In the AFC championship game. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens. Um but honestly I'm just excited for the city of Cleveland. When the Cavs do good, the city is great. When the Browns do good, the city is great. But when the the Browns do good, the city is amazing. Cleveland's a football town or a football city. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I'm so excited for the way this season is ending, wrapping up, and the postseason is beginning. It's always nice to have that second season. We don't get that a whole lot in Cleveland, like I said, which is why, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles were always a fun team to root for when we were younger because they were always in that second season. So I really appreciate you, Devontae. I appreciate you coming on to the episode today and talking about all this stuff. Like your football knowledge and insight is awesome. It's fire. You bring some good stuff. And Really looking forward to collabing with you in the future and having you on some more episodes in the offseason. So, people, if you if you enjoyed listening to Devontae today, come back in the offseason. There's going to be more. We're going to do some more stuff with him and uh, pick his brain about a lot of stuff,
2: draft and uh, free agents and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it, man. Like I said, it's an honor to just be part of the Discord, like I put in there. You know, you guys have made football fun for me. This year, um, with watching the Browns, you know, when something bad happens, we're all like, "Oh my God, why did you do that?" But there was something good happens, we're like, "Jumper for joy." So, no matter what, this is when you look back at the twenty twenty three Cleveland Browns, you're going to say, "All right, th- this was a team that turned everything around." Similar to what we see in Buffalo, similar to what we're seeing, and even you know, you want you could say Miami, you could say Baltimore, you could say all these other teams that. I've had that year and then turn it around better. So that's what I'm expecting for the Cleveland Browns this year, man. Let's go, Browns. Dog check. Oh,
1: dog check. Woof, woof. Let's go. Appreciate everybody tuning in this episode. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. We appreciate all that. Apple, Spotify, if you're listening, make sure you guys are following the show. We appreciate everybody who supports it. And we will be with you guys later this week previewing the final game of the season, the Bengals. In Cincinnati, and then we'll be back on Monday talking about that game and giving our first playoff preview of this postseason. So until we talk to you guys again, let's go, Browns. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at the Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at the Dogspodcast.com.